Katya. And I'm Bryn. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, let's do the thing. Okay, here we go. We are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everybody's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they will give you some information to think about and research more. We wish to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. All right. Yeah. So, uh, this week, we're going to continue our Herbs and the Holidays series, and we're going to talk this time about the medicinal virtues of some culinary herbs. That are specific to the holiday season. Ah, yes. As it were. Yeah. Before we jump into that, though, we've got shout-outs this week. We have a bunch of them. Um, a handful of folks stopped by to see us at the Wintergreen Herbal Market last week to say that they love the pod, and we love you too, Erin, Emily, Sarah, and Jesse. And also on Instagram, uh, Jesse Smalley Birthwork, Clarissa Watterson, and Sweetbriar Farms, and also Funklissa. Um, and also one other person who tagged us sometime Tuesday night, but it moved too far down in the list of likes and comments for me to get back to it. Oops. So like I read it in the middle of the night and I was like, oh, what a nice thing. And then the next morning I couldn't get to it anymore. So whoever you were late Tuesday night, I shout out to you too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and also Copper Kettle Farm, who listened to the pod while planting 740 bed feet of garlic Yay! That sounds like a lot. That's a lot of garlic. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And Deirdre, who wants us to talk about migraines and headaches, so we will. And that's going to be our first um, our first podcast in January. Let's start off the year with a migraine. No, without no, a migraine. No, without a migraine. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Julie from the Business Mentorship, who is also excited to say that here she is at the end of the year in the mentorship, and she is exactly where she had hoped to be in her business. So I feel very excited about that. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Julie. And a new listener, Amy, who is interested in our Lyme course. Hi, Amy. Um, on iTunes, Gertie Beth gave us such a lovely review. Thank you so much. And also, you mentioned that you have our book. So if you would like, um, we will send you a fancy inscribed book plate for it. Just send us an email at, are you ready? Info at commonwealthherbs.com. And hey, anyone else who's got our book out there, you can do that too. Yes, please do. We love sending out book plates. Yeah, it's pretty it's nice. It's fun. And also, welcome to Jennifer in Nebraska, who just found our pod this week. And also, a shout out to JC, who listens while farming in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah, that was a lot of shout outs. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love hearing from all of you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, quick little note for you guys. We have something... An exciting little note for you guys. Something pretty great, I hope, yeah. that you'll be excited about it. Uh, so we have a special 25% off discount for you, our podcast listeners. You can get 25% off any of our online video courses from right now until the winter solstice. Uh, what you'll do is you're going to use the code, we love you, <laughs> all one word, 
when you when you uh, when you check out. I'm so excited. <laughs> so winter solstice is twelve twenty one December twenty first. So jump right on it. If you aren't sure where to start, we recommend Herbalism one hundred and one. That has currently eighty seven different herbal profiles, mm-hmm. um, all by video. And the videos have close-up photographs in them to help you identify them in nature and talks about every single herb from an energetic perspective and how to work with it and when to to call on that plant. Um, And as we add more plants into the program, they will just show up for you free in your dashboard. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's also 45 different videos that cover step-by-step, close-up, how to make all the different kinds of herbal medicine, product, delightful things, all that good stuff. (laughs) Um, So right now it's a total of 90 videos. Um, No, it's not. It's 90 plus 45. What is that? Number, a bunch of. That's math is hard. It's a bunch of. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of videos is what we're saying. It's like 58 hours of videos. It's like two and a half seasons on Netflix of your favorite TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, so you can sign up for that. Um, the, the coupon, the 25% off discount code, which is we love you, does work on any course. So uh, you can take your pick. But if you're just starting out, that's our recommendation. Yeah. yeah, you can find them all at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Yay! This is actually a really great time to gift yourself an herbal course because in the month of December, we're trying to raise $5,000 to continue our work on several community projects. That money will help support our work with our incarcerated student and also to grow the Herbalism for Incarcerated Students program. Mm-hmm. It will support more scholarships for single moms of color, which I'm really excited about having having single momed myself, mm-hmm. you know, until until I was with you to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really um, I really feel a heart connection there, and so I'm very excited to expand that program. And it will also allow us to kick off a whole new year of free clinics. And this year, we're really hoping to expand our free clinics to twice a month. Um, so. Everyone who enrolls in courses between now and the winter solstice, between now and and December 21st, is helping us to continue to fund those programs and to make the expansions that we're trying to make in them this year. So thank you so much. It's really exciting. And And yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. And let's talk about some herbs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about some holidays. Well, all right. So every holiday has its own special recipes. And one thing that we notice is that when you look at these winter holidays, there's a, a set of certain herbs that are recurrent. They kind of keep coming back like a theme. Yeah, and it kind of goes like cross cultures too. It's true. You know, like um, it, even even across the different religions or across the different traditions or across the different whatever, a lot of these same herbs are showing up through the winter holidays. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Part of it is just because these herbs taste great, you know, like, (laughs) Um, but part of it is that they're really helpful when it's cold or when the foods that we're eating are heavy or fatty or sugary Mm. um, or when we're having really big meals, which even if, even if the winter traditions are taking place in some place that isn't cold, that last part, the heavy, fatty, sugary, big meals is typically 
you know, that's what we do for celebrations in so many, at so many times. So mm-hmm. even when it isn't cold, these are still appropriate. And here we all, here we are back to energetics again, you know, talking already about the cold and the, the heavy meal and the sugary meal. And right. Yeah. 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 We should really get through that uh, or talk about that a bit. So let's start with uh, some examples and yeah. let's begin with sage. Yes. Oh, yes. Sage is so good whether you're roasting a turkey or roasting rooty vegetables um, or making a really nice um, sausage stuffing for, mm. you know, your turkey or not, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like sage makes an appearance in so many holiday recipes, often with its friends rosemary and thyme. And here we are, like right off the bat with an herb that is warming, uh, especially in the digestive tract, and an herb that has a special affinity for the digestion of fat. Um, it, it has liver stimulation action it ha- and that carminative action, those two combined, that really, really help us manage a big, heavy meal with more fat in it maybe than we normally would have. Yeah, sage is so good for that. Tea, tincture, put it right into the food, um, mm-hmm. however you however you choose to do it. Uh, you know, here we were... We're trying to focus on herbs right in the food. And, and, you know, when one of the key things we're looking at here is that when you have these, these spices or these, like, these are the, this is the, the spice blends that we use at this time of year, there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, like in this case, um, it's very common for people to make a big pork roast and put a bunch of sage and mm-hmm. rosemary on it. And, uh, it's, Sure, yeah, because it tastes good, but also because it helps, because it really helps. It really does, yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, sage um, in particular is an herb that you can get at this time of year still. And I don't just mean like at the grocery store because they grew it in a greenhouse, but um, our our sage plant still, actually our sage plant is moving into the direction of aspiring to be a bush like it's getting bigger and bigger yeah um and it definitely still has green leaves on it that still taste very sagey and um, our neighbors have one that's really big too and its leaves still look great also mm-hmm. and so if you think about um if you think about you know before we had refrigeration and and other methods of preservation yeah you could dry it absolutely but it still is nice to have fresh things, and at this time of year, to have a plant that you still can have fresh is pretty cool. Yeah, sage is pretty hardy. You know, I'm looking at this list here, and I'm realizing that there are no, there's no pine or juniper on this list. Mm. Um, but as we're sitting here talking about sage, and you mentioned pork roast, I, I think I want to insert pine and juniper oh definitely um because juniper is like i don't know if you've ever done this before but toss some juniper berries onto your pork or your roasted roots or whatever it is that you're roasting whether it's meat or vegetables when you're putting in the sage and maybe the rosemary toss some juniper and heck toss some white pine in there too you guys it is so good and again we're still getting that we're getting some liver stimulation. We're getting that heat and um, like carminative action. Interestingly, also historically, these are antiseptic herbs. So, you know, when before we had refrigeration, and and now 
I guess in the winter there is refrigeration, but but it's you know like like, it's like you know natural refrigeration. But but still, whenever we can add in herbs that help to counteract um, you know any pathogens that might be trying to live in food as we're preserving it in um, pre-technology ways that, or at least pre-refrigerator ways, not necessarily pre-technology, but pre-refrigerator ways, um, then that's always kind of just a good thing to have. Yeah. But again, it really tastes good. It tastes so good. (laughs) It tastes so good. Nice. Um, You could do that with lamb as well. You could put a little bit of pine, maybe a little juniper on your lamb. I know that with a lot of folks with lamb, they they like to make a mint sauce. Oh, Mm -hmm. man. I gotta say, I have never liked that. Not into the mint sauce? No. I, I love a nice lamb roast, and I know that's a, a traditional food for um, Hanukkah at this time of year, and I I like lamb is delicious, but just skip the mint for me. <laughs> I would rather put on za'atar, ah. which is a blend of thyme, sumac, and sesame, and that is so good. It's pretty great. It's so good. And again, you get that... <laughs> The warming of, from the thyme, but also the sumac in there, it like really ups the vitamin C content. Yeah, it has that sour note to it. It's very, yeah. it, it helps to kind of round out the flavor profile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but mint, you were talking about mint. Yeah, well, you know, mint is a digestive herb. Um, it's both uh, carminative and a digestive relaxant, so it's really helpful if you have any kind of gut cramping, um, sluggish digestion. Especially if both of those are coming together. That's, mm. a, that's a really handy herb. Or if you're a person who doesn't like ginger, mm. um, or you know that you run kind of hot. Um, for me, if I have any of those symptoms, I turn to ginger. I want right. something to warm me up. But, yeah. but not everybody runs cold like I do. If you know that you run hot, um, then peppermint actually is the perfect plant for you. Yeah, it tends to feel a little better in uh, people with that body type. Even though they may still need some some actual warmth, The with peppermint you have that menthol thing going on. So while it is a warming herb, it has that feeling of coolness. Mm. Um, and it can relieve, it can relieve it when you're feeling a little overheated, but you also need some help getting your guts chugging along again. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, also peppermint at this time of year... Um... We can't neglect the candy aspect because the candy canes and the mint hot chocolate, um, (laughs) you know, a lot of people look forward to that part of this season. Yeah. I just made up a batch yesterday of um, peppermint spirits. Oh, yeah. You posted that on Instagram. Yeah. It's basically a candy cane in a bottle. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah. So the way I did it this time was a, a combination of a really strong mint tea with an equal amount of uh, peppermint tincture. Um, and then I added like two drops per ounce uh, of that blend. Uh, so I had four ounces of that blend. So I added, no wait, I added four drops per ounce. I added 16 drops of mm-hmm. peppermint essential oil. And I wrote in big letters, shake well before use on the on the label. Um, so peppermint spirits is a, is a preparation. It's a pretty traditional one. It goes, I mean, you, you'll find... Reference to that, at least a couple hundred years old. Um, and you this know, is I mean, it goes the... as far back as distillation goes. Right, yeah. Which I was researching yesterday again because I, um, I had done a bunch of research on that and then kind of forgotten about it. And then someone in one of the online courses was asking questions and I was like, oh, I have to go back and check my years. 
but distillation um, was was done uh, documented back as far as the eighth um, century and possibly actually considerably before that, but. It really wasn't widely available or widespread until the 16th century, and it wasn't um, it wasn't really popularized among people until like the sort of general population until the late 17th and early 18th century. So you can sort of think of maybe like 200 250 years for. Right, yeah, I was just referring to this particular preparation where, yeah. you've, where you've got... Sorry, uh, I just needed to nerd out on distillation no, yeah, for a yeah. second. <laughs> Why not, right? Um, but yeah, here where you've got like an alcohol extractive peppermint um, plus the essential oil um, and then uh, so, you know, adding in the peppermint tea as an element, I actually picked that tip up from the Herbalist 7 song. Mm. Um, he had a, a recipe that he'd posted for these a while back. Um, and it does kind of help to reduce the, the alcohol burn that you get from it. Um, but so, you know, this is uh, kind of an unusual situation because we don't usually advise taking essential oils internally. Um, here you can see that it is, of course, diluted. And yeah, peppermint, has diluted. A, peppermint has a pretty um, pretty high safety profile. I think that's probably still less than what's in an Altoid. Yeah, yeah. Not that Altoids can't irritate. Right. Um, they definitely can, but sure. uh, definitely in the formula that you just described, it's certainly less than an Altoid. Yeah. Anyway, um, so peppermint spirits might be a way that you can also explore uh, with uh, with that herb at this time of year. All right. Um, what would you do with peppermint spirits if you were a person who liked peppermint? Oh, you just take a drop or two at a time. You know, you give your bottle a good shake. You take a drop or two. <sighs> so fresh. <laughs> like, those, like those commercials with the blizzard inside your mouth and whatever. Yeah. And the skiing people and all do, of that. Do people use them for cocktails? You probably, yeah, you definitely could, you know, and you don't need a lot, you know, it's very, very strong. So yeah. you just like a, a few drops uh, into a drink and that will be, that'll be totally pe- sufficient. That'll be peppermintized. Cool. That'll be all set. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we often think about peppermint and ginger in the same, in the same thought, um, kind of like you had done just earlier. Yeah. Um, but ginger is one that you can't leave out for this time of the year. No. No way. No. I love to put ginger into cranberry sauce. I like to make my own cranberry sauce. We're here in Boston, so we can get fresh local cranberries. Um, and, um, you know, cranberries are sour and cooling in nature. And then, um, you get the... You get the ginger in there to warm it up and get the blood moving. And specifically, speaking about cranberry sauce with ginger in it, that is an amazing anti-inflammatory team. Yeah, it is. Cranberries have so many antioxidants, and ginger itself is anti-inflammatory in multiple different uh, mechanisms of action. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, cranberry sauce... You can definitely get the kind from a can and the like jelly mold if that's what you remember from your childhood. <laughs> there um, is something about it. I there don't know. is something, yeah. um, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, making it, making it from scratch yourself, really does, um, really does add tons of vitamins, tons of anti-inflammatory action, bioflavonoids um, to your meal. And I actually have a. I have a recipe on our blog for for my cranberry sauce. We'll put that in the show notes. I'm just going to make a note real quick. Um, but ginger in so many other ways. Ginger shows up... Oh, actually, I'm going to talk about this later when we talk about mulling spices. Um, 
So Ginger shows up in lots of desserty kind of things, but also in lots of meal things. And um, I think it's funny that um, here in the United States, a lot of people have a Chinese food tradition around the holidays. Um, and that like, you know, once you're tired of all of your regular, like your turkey and your whatever, and you were looking forward to it, but now you're like, okay, I can't eat any more turkey or I can't eat any more ham or whatever it is. And everybody's sort of like, let's just go out and get Chinese food because that would be delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a place where you often see ginger. So whether you go out and get it or whether you, um, whether you make it yourself, that is a, a definite place where where ginger plays a role in the holidays. And I actually really like that tradition a lot. Um, I have uh, one of my best friends is um, is Jewish, and she has a really strong tradition of going out for Chinese food on Christmas Day every single year without fail. <laughs> and one thing that I really love about that is um, that in this country we have such a blend of so many different traditions and different cultures and different things that we can be exposed to. And I just really love how everything kind of blends together. And, you know, on Christmas Day, a lot of restaurants aren't open, but some restaurants are. And and I think, you know, different traditions being able to share different things and different cultures being able to share different things and how that all blends together I think it's really, really beautiful. So um, even though I have to be careful going out for Chinese food because of the gluten um, intolerance, um, I do really think that's a really fun tradition. And I think that it is um, a way that we can really celebrate kind of the melding of lots of different cultures in one place. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, there's another herb that goes with ginger pretty mm-hmm. frequently and turns up in a bunch of desserts this time of year. Mm-hmm. And you may have guessed that I'm talking about cinnamon. Cinnamon is in these desserts for, well, a lot of reasons. I think probably the biggest reason is because it tastes good. It is delicious. But if we want to look for <clears throat> herbal medicine reasons, uh, <laughs> why we should put cinnamon in our desserts, then there's a fantastic one in that cinnamon helps the body to handle sugar more effectively. It helps you to regulate your blood sugar. It improves insulin sensitivity, which is the responsiveness of the cells in your body to the signal uh, of the hormone insulin, which basically says, hey, open up and let the sugar out of the blood and into the cell to power your metabolism and get Mm. things going. And you want that to happen because sugar in the blood can be a big problem Sugar in the cells is, you know, burnt up like fuel. It's fuel. Yeah. All done. Yeah. So, yeah, so cinnamon helps with that aspect of things. um, And it adds that warming, uh, again, another another carminative, another herb with some relaxant qualities to it. Plus Um, some circulatory stimulation. Right, yeah. Yeah, get the blood moving a little bit, Mm -hmm. warm you up from the inside to the out. And also antispasmodic action. Right. You know, relaxant action. And... I think that might be just as much a part of the whole thing as anything else. Like, Tense guts don't digest well. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> it's exactly. You gotta, you gotta rest and digest. Relax and digest. They don't, that doesn't rhyme as well. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we're seeing here, you know, with cinnamon, ginger, even peppermint, sage, 
pine, juniper, all of these. Uh, these are herbs that have a bunch of warming qualities. Many of them are relaxants. All of them have some benefit for digestion. So, you know, a strong, strong recurring theme going on right there. All right. So we might be up to the mulling spices. I think that we are. Um, I'm very excited because that is one of my favorite things about this time of year is mulled everything. Um, you can mull apple cider. You can mull wine. Mm. Um, you can mull cookies, actually. I'm going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> but um, these flavors can go with lots of things. You can... You can, so many um, dessert recipes come in, but frankly, a lot of the spices that go into mulling blends also go into regular meal spicing as well, especially when we think about Indian food, traditional foods. Oh, yeah. You know, we're talking about cardamom and ginger and maybe a little clove and anise. Um, these are things that can also, like, just be added to meat, which... The way that I grew up, my my mom didn't really spice things very heavily or kind of at all, actually. Um, so that se- that seemed really surprising to me when I first realized that um, different cultural foods put things like cinnamon and clove into meat. I was like, well, that's no, that's for dessert. What are you talking about? And then I was like, hold on, that's for delicious. That's what you're talking about. And... Um, and that was really fun to start discovering. And Anyway, so it can be really nice if you're making a nice Indian traditional meal to then also have mulled wine with it because it like is a reflection of those flavors. Um, my favorite mulling blend here personally is cardamom, ginger, orange peel, allspice, nutmeg, clove, and cinnamon. And the tiniest bit of anise. I'm not a huge fan of anise, but like the tiniest bit of it you actually kind of need. It it rounds out the whole flavor profile. So even though by itself I don't really love it, it does kind of need to be there in the whole blend. Um, and don't skimp on the orange peel. That's one of my real favorite parts of this too. I really feel like to get that full flavor, you really want that that sour direction to be represented as well. Um, So that's my favorite blend. And if you're mulling cider or wine, I like to leave them in their chopped up form that that if you're buying it from an herb supplier, it's often referred to as cut and sifted Mm. um, because it's really hard to strain powder out of liquid. Yeah. (laughs) But if you're going to make cookies, definitely go with powder. So to make mulled spice cookies. Yeah, we got to hear this. Yes. This is a great idea. Um, (laughs) So on our website, we have a recipe for ginger chamomile cookies. And that is almost the same recipe here. And I just swapped the spices out. So let me give you that, that blend. I use about a cup of almond meal and about a cup of shredded coconut and two thirds of a cup of coconut oil. Okay, you guys, it's... You have to kind of estimate. It might be a little more. She's literally never measured any of these things no, when making cookies. I did. I measured it out once so that I could write it down. But <laughs> when I make them, I actually don't ever measure them. So it's about two-thirds of a cup of coconut oil. And about a quarter cup of honey and one egg. And then the, about... The best egg. Yes. The best, one, the best egg. One best egg. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then um, two tablespoons of mulling spices or maybe four tablespoons of mulling spices. <laughs> like, depending on how many mulling spices you, how much you really want it to be mully. Because you got to spice it like you mean it, Spice right? it like you mean it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say start off with two, stir it up really good and like take a little taste. And if you're like, more spices, then put in more. I usually put in more. Go for it. Um, and then just, you know, uh, make it into cookies, like shape it into cookies in your in your pan and put it in the oven at 350 until you don't burn them. And presto, cookies. There you go. Yes. They're so good. And then while they're baking, you can toss the mulling spices um, into the apple cider or into the wine and heat that up on the stove. And it's like, presto, your whole kitchen will smell mulled. Can I put raisins in my cookies? Oh, that sounds really lovely. Can and I put maybe, walnuts in Maybe there? dates too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. That sounds good. Oh my goodness. And maybe candied ginger and candied orange peel pieces. Yeah. This might be a crazy cookie at this point. We may have just moved over into cake. A pile of stuff sort of held together by some cookie dough. Yes. That seems good to me. That's how I, that's what I like in a cookie, you know. So you might, you might feel differently. Anyway, there's a range of options. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think we will be experimenting with your new um, additions tonight. Awesome. Yes, that sounds like a really good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Well, uh, if y'all are still looking for some more um, herbalism slash food ideas, uh, like places where that Venn diagram comes together, yeah. Um, well, we do have some previous podcasts for you to check out. Uh, episode twenty four, we talked about taco seasoning herbs. You guys, tacos are celebration food for the whole year round. They are absolutely appropriate for any holiday. She does. She does make them. For many holidays. Yes. It happens. Tacos. And, and it's pretty great. Tacos, either tacos or enchiladas are what we usually have on solstice. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like sun food. You gotta it's have good fiery round food. Yeah. yeah. It's good fiery <laughs> bring the sun back food. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. Um, in episode 35, we talked about three herbs, cinnamon, vanilla, and cacao, that often make their way into desserts this time of year, mm-hmm. um, and we can also appreciate them for their medicinal benefits, Yes, all that good stuff they, they can help us to accomplish. Um, and then, a little more recently, in episode 48, we talked about pumpkin spice, because that's herbalism too, so yes. if you missed that one, definitely check that out, and you will... Have a new appreciation for all the pumpkin spice everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we will link to the cranberry sauce recipe um, in the show notes. But also, um, if you have herbal holiday traditions that we did not mention, then share them with us because we would love to know. And, um, you know, there's so many different traditions and so many different herbs that pair up with them that we would just love to hear um, what you include in your celebrations. So Definitely, yeah. Shoot us an email at info at commonwealthherbs.com or... Um, wherever. Wherever. You know, find Instagram, us, find Facebook, us on the whatever. social thing, yeah. Yeah, Send the social pigeon. thing. You know, it'll be great. <laughs> We're Commonwealth Herbs on all social media, so find us there, whatever. We just love to hear about it. We do, and we love to hear from you. So... Uh, that's it for us this week we'll be back next time and we'll continue on our herbs in the holidays series yes all right see you then